Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. That's a line written by our own Skyboy. We're going to give him credit where credit is due. Welcome to the program, everybody. So glad you could join us now. You know, I always do these little warm-ups right before I come on the air. Uh, I usually do about 20 jumping jacks, like to bust out about 50 push-ups, a uh, couple thou. What about that vocal exercise? A couple thou. Uh, What's the... Pull-ups, chin-ups. No, no, vocal, vocal. What's that vocal exercise you do? <clears throat> what do they call it in jazz? Uh, scatting. Scatting. Then I like but to he doesn't scat really scat. Mine's, hey, 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 hey. It's not scatting. I'll show you scatting. <laughs> I, scatting. I knew that joke was coming. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, anyway, so I like to scat a bit. Let's let's see let's hear some of your let's scatting. Hit, hit us with You know what? I'm wearing my power vest right now. Some of you don't know about the power vest. The power vest is a vest that I paid twenty dollars for at a local convenience store, basically. And uh but it has a polo on it and it makes me look rich. And it's the Association of Professional Polo Players. It's the US United the United States Polo, polo Associ- Association. Polo Association. <laughs> And um, I bought it a while ago because I thought it made me look rich. Okay, it does it does? So it we call it, it's wealth. called the power vest. And when I wear it, I feel powerful. And then somebody the other day said, um, "So you play uh, polo?" And I'm like, "Yeah, all rich people do. All rich people do." And they're like, "What kind of horse do you have?" And I told him, I haven't quite bought a horse yet. <laughs> uh, and I don't have a helmet or a you mallet. Just, you, wait, wait. You just have a rental horse? Like, no. Like the polo club has a yeah. series of horse, unclaimed yeah. horses well, yeah. that you they know just how, held like, over the yeah. years. Yeah. You know how like there's always a set of clubs at a golf course? Exactly. Exactly. You just borrow the clubs. Someone just left them. Well, what it came down to in the end, I think, is I'm actually a member of the USP, uh, USMPA. Hmm. which is the United States Marco Polo Association. <laughs> so all I do is play Marco Polo. But so I'm it, in my power vest right now, and you can hear it wrestle. Uh, can, can you hear it? <laughs> and you it's, gotta, you gotta. That was a nice ab workout you had going there. There you go. There yeah. it is. There's so, the sound. Um, mm, polyester. It, it's not polyester. It sure is plastic. It's but plastic. It's, it's rich plastic. I think it's nylon, actually. Nylon is probably better. Uh, well, it's a power vest, but I'm roasting now. And I think I was telling you that because you want me to scat, but Matt knows scat when Matt is hot. You were scatting literally three minutes ago. Uh, literally two minutes ago, you said that wasn't scat. It wasn't scatting. It wasn't scatting. It was. You were saying Scooby Doo over and over again. No, I was warming up. <laughs> you were like my mouth. You're doing like this weird Scooby Doo thing. Yeah. So I was warming up. Uh, we call it scat. Anyway, I don't know why we got on that subject because I I don't – you were about to turn the microphones on while I'm scatting. <laughs> I really, really wanted and to. And I need – I just need to let you know when Matt scat, I need private time. I might, I might turn it on next time. I need time. private warm-up time. We might record it without putting it I on I think it would be very good for our listeners to and then, get a behind-the-scenes look. Why don't we save that? 
Uh, and let's just see if they re-up us this year. I was going to say, are you going to say save that for a rainy day? Because at the studio, it's a rainy it day. It is a rainy day. And that, by the way, was a really difficult challenge for me. The rain? Well, unlike you all, I commute here. Well, you do, Bryce. I do too, yeah. The rest of you live in some dorm where they put a bunch of people. And is it especially difficult for you because your car is made of sugar? <laughs> And the rain causes troubles. Oh, I'm, oh! I'm sorry. Where, where's this going? Speaking of cars, the other day, yeah, Matt, you told us a story about how you found a spider in your car. Yes. Well, um, Sunday I got in my car to uh, drive about like I do. Uh huh. There was a spider web that went across the inside of my windshield. That's how mine started. Really. I that almost, I almost like fear puked in my car. Fear puke is bad, but that might very well be the Brazilian <laughs> banana spider. Those things are like two feet long. The most poisonous spider on earth. Kills chimpanzees, doesn't it? It's a chimp killer. I, um, I don't think the Brazilian spider kills many African chimps. Good point. Well, no, it sneaks into the Brazilian zoos and, and hunts there. It's adapted. Oh, okay. The reality Why is- Why do you think there were no native chimps? In I told you it's back true. then, check your car for spiders. Because mine jumped out while I was driving and pulled a revolver. <laughs> and it about killed me. I think, I think mine was sending a message. It made sure to put a web. It was just one strand. It wasn't like a whole web. Just a strand. Oh, from, a strand? Yeah, from, from one end to the other, making sure I see it. One strand, not strong. One billion strands- you're dead. They're injecting venom in your neck, and they're laying eggs in your head. Crawling around in my ears. It's always about – see, it's the one strand. One spider web strand. One little strand. That's nothing. So what you're saying is light the car on fire. We just have to start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I guess I probably shouldn't no, just say risk that. it, but just be definitely, careful. Now we or have, drive it in the rain because it will melt because it's made of sugar. I don't know where he's getting that sugar. I don't thing. know. What is that about? because your car's so sweet. My car is sweet. Hey, Matt, I have really good news. Oh, we've got good news. Um, Okay, let me just introduce it. Our award-winning expert, uh, our award-winning, our award-winning, what do we call you? Producer. Our award-winning contributor, contributor, Bryce Alexander Tobin, also known as BAT for short, is bringing us some awesome news. Bryce, what's the news? Today. Today, this very morning, the 20th. at 9.03 a.m., yes. Yes. that would be uh, 8.03 Pacific, okay. and this morning, uh, 10.03 uh, Central. Uh, what about Manila Philippine time? Oh, I don't know. Okay, just if you're giving time. Those I don't know. I don't know my Manila Okay, Philippine what's the news? What's the, at 8.03, I yes. turned in and finished my last paper in college. Oh. That's all he gets? I, I take it. I'll Pretty much all it. we got. I give him some cheers. Are there no cheers? We got laughs. laughs. We got laughs. Two laughs. <laughs> it's a happy occasion. It's, yeah. Yeah. That was mocking laugh. I could. Yeah, tell. that was a mock laugh. <laughs> That's fine. No, today. That's congratulations. I finished it. No more papers. What was the paper on? Uh, cocaine addiction. Wow. Didn't see that coming, did you? No. <laughs> well, happy paper. It's Final done. Paper. Hey, uh, don't we have a don't we have a, a month still in the semester? Yeah, couple weeks. So why are we done writing things? Like assignments should keep going. right? Yes, they should, but no more papers. Because I'm just starting my papers. 
Maybe it has something to do with that uh, caterpillar on your lip. Are you talking about my mustache? Is that what that is? Yes. Let's go back to your paper. <laughs> that is great news. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I never um, thought the day would come. You're done. Virtually done. Pretty much. So the only thing left are a couple tests. And also in one of my classes, I found out one of my finals was optional, so I only have one exam, and it's an open book exam. You might pull this off. <laughs> I might be able to do no actual schoolwork Con- from here on out and still oh, finish college. You Congratulations. Also, also might want to get that book. Indeed. I'll get there. I might pick it up from the bookstore, use it on the test, and then return it. You might could borrow it. it from someone else. I might could borrow it. How many, how many years have you been going? I started in 07. Summer of 07. Wow. This is big. It is. Frankly, I should have been done a while ago. Well, speaking of should have been done a while ago, let's turn to Skyboy for an update. Sky? Uh, yes. Where are you? How are you coming along with school? Well, I started 10th grade a couple months ago. Anyway, uh, <laughs> wow. Again. What you- Did he get a rundown? <laughs> Did you get him a rundown? Here. For some reason, what am I, I supposed to say something else? Usually, I'm 16 well, on this show. Been, I never know what's going. You've been going to school forever, and you're still a few semesters out. There you go. Now you got a rundown, but Thank you can't you. have the guest's phone number because I got to call him later. Okay. Tell me, you're you're gonna finish school? I mean, are we? Are you want we you want closer? you want me to tell you what I'm where I'm at in my college no, career? No, I just want to know. What do you want me to say? I want. Are, are you ever gonna get to where Bryce is? Are you mm. ever gonna finish? I'm going to finish. Okay. Are you ever going to almost graduate college and face unemployment? Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's not your trial. See, Bryce's crisis and trial for life has been school. Yes. Right? He's Could now I... done with it. He'll be now entering the next phase of crises, which is... Um, job. Getting a job. <laughs> okay? So no. let's go to your crisis. Wait, wait. Could I, could I give you some advice? Yeah. Don't ever leave. Stay here forever. This is as good as it gets. Well, hold on. You're not out yet. So you can't give that advice yes, until you're out. You have to get out, then you have to get beat up, then oh. you can say that. <laughs> Pardon me while I go get mugged. Let's go to your crisis. I have it, uh, a little bird told me, that you have something that takes incredible courage to do, uh, courage which you, Skyboy, seem to lack, even though you dress like a superhero in tights that don't fit and a cape that belongs to a four-year-old. It's really kind of a small hand towel that you attach to it's your It's a back. Ha- hand towel that's been pinned by apparently some mother figure in your life around your neck. Here's the question. Do you really lack the courage to call girls without a panic attack and a little freak out? Do I lack the courage? Wait, we got we to gotta give a little bit of background to the source of this because I am the little bird. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Who informed Matt. So <laughs> okay. the other day... <laughs> okay, because I'm, this I'm was confused our where all this is coming from. This was the surprise. So you thought the surprise was his school. No, the surprise Su- is we're going to talk about you, you and your dating. Okay, here we go. Uh, no, I came to the studio, what was it like? It was like noon or something. The show wasn't about to come on anytime soon. I'm never here at noon. You're never here at noon? So it must have been like... It was noon something. It must have been between like two and three. Then. Was it the day when Matt decided to skip the show? He does that often. Was it was like it? a Tuesday. Tuesday? Was it Tuesday last week? Yeah. Must have been. Um, Slacker. Yeah. So so I come in and and me and Sky are talking about stuff, about show stuff, about other stuff, about scuba stuff, because that's what's important to us. <laughs> and Okay. And he says, Oh, so I have to call this girl 
here's the situation. So he gives me the, the rundown yeah. of the situation. I've heard it too. He's told me the same thing. The rundown. He's told me he was Notice going, I followed a rundown. Yeah. He, he told me he was going to call this girl for months, but he lacks <laughs> courage. Let's stick to the facts <laughs> and leave Matt out of this. Okay, keep it. Because he's so, making so, stuff up. <laughs> so we, we have some mixed uh, signals here. We have mm-hmm. some, yes, she's probably interested. Some, no, she probably isn't interested. Right. And so then... Sky and I sort of work out a script for him to follow. So you helped him write the script to call this lovely lady just simply to ask her out, I think, on a second date. Right? This was for the Spurs game, right? Yes. This was the second date girl. Yes. Second date girl. Yeah. I see. Tell me. Don't tell me I don't know. Boy, I hope she's not listening. I'm pretty sure she is. Because, by the way, we've got her on the phone. Stacy, are you there? I'm just kidding. How funny would that be? <laughs> Had her on the phone. Keep going, Bryce. So he was oh, afraid. Uh, hold on. This is this is where I leave the story. This is oh. where he, then he made the call. Oh, Look. did you? You left? Didn't yeah, you? I was. I didn't stick around. For but the you, call. but you, were, you're afraid. And so on okay, the show, okay, I, okay, tell, okay, I just wanted okay. people to know why we're doing this. Okay. I, we're not wasting their time with your. Social Are we though? Life. Are we though? But you're you're you need courage, and. If you don't have courage, you won't ever take advantage of these great moments that feel like, you know, traumatic events. Everybody in life is going to have traumatic events, but you need to have the courage. So I have got the courage to call girls. Otherwise, I wouldn't call them. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If I'm super interested in the girl, mm-hmm. obviously, I get a little bit more nervous. Why? And, tell us about that. Well, because I don't want to blow it. Tell me. Tell me about blowing oh my it, gosh. guy. Is this, you're trying to turn this into one of your therapy sessions? Yes, I am. No, keep going. So, so you're afraid. You, you don't want to blow I'm not afraid. Because, I'm nervous. I don't want to. By the way, that is such a man answer. <laughs> I am not afraid. <laughs> Just nervous a little There's bit. There's a difference. It is. I get it. I get okay. it. Okay. There's not fear. There's no ounce of fear there. It's just a, a, an inward nagging well, What do I have to fear? All I have to fear is rejection. Is loneliness. And fear itself. And fear itself. Is that Superman? No, that would be FDR. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> she could also tell all of her friends. And I don't care if she tells her friends. She could, Who cares? Yeah, she could pollute the pool. Okay. Like, Scott, he's not trying to date her friends. I'm trying to date her. So you, you're not afraid, but you're just well, saying in this situation, it's a heightened sense of importance to you. Well, it's a heightened sense of importance. And also, as Bryce said before, there's mixed signals. Yes. She's on, so, she's off. She's on, she's, she's, on, cold, she's off. She's on, she's So I just wanted to be prepared. For every situation that we're so you ran it through Bryce. So as often, often sometimes I just call a girl and I'm expecting her to pick up and I get voicemail. I'm like, crap, should I leave a voicemail? Should I just not? uh You know. And so I was preparing. Okay, if she picks up, this is a good starting point. Hi, my name's. If she doesn't pick up, then uh, then this is what I should leave as the voicemail. Okay, good, good. You thought it through. I thought it through. That's all. That's simply all I was doing. Um, what if she picks up, then hangs up? What do you do? <laughs> See, that's what you didn't think about. <laughs> we did not prepare for that. <laughs> well, well, okay. well that, that, that's a situation where I don't have to say something in the moment. There I can then yes, assess then can, what happened uh-huh. and decide Good. what to do. So, first of all, I took this out of page out of uh, out of George Costanza's book. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, he does that. What great dating advice? What great dating? What advice. a dating <laughs> idol. <laughs> so you are. So you're trying. You are saying you are courageous. You just needed a plan. You just focused. You figured out a plan. You brought in a coach. I, I really, I really only need a plan for the voicemail. I never know what to say on the voicemail. That's all we really scripted out was We're, the voicemail. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, she picked up. So and uh, every, whenever I call now, she picks up. Okay. See, good sign. Huh? Well, what does that say? Huh? Huh? She had, 
She likes. She likes. Well, yeah, the signs or at least she as of late have enough. been leading towards more like, less hate. Okay. More like, less hate. More okay. like, less hate. Okay, can I Deep. just then point out your Deep. courage to call, your courage to chase her, it's happening. Well, yeah, and here's the thing. It's easier to call once you have some sign of interest. Mm. After the first date, yeah. you're kind of like, well, I have no idea if she wants to go out again. Yep. Or if she doesn't, or if I'm and so the second date, the first date's easy. The second date's the hardest one. After that, you can kind of have a little, do you want to keep going out or not type deal, and then it's smooth sailing. Do you remember though? I I know. So this was just (laughs) to this, but you may not remember. I'm sure you don't because it just happened last week when you and I sat for I think three hours, two hours for a long time, (laughs) and we scripted everything you should say on the date. I don't actually. I guess I don't remember this part. We printed it out. It was a twenty-page script. Shoot, I asked you to. We had it. We had it on cue cards and on a teleprompter that we made sure would be placed behind her at the restaurant. I I, I see some flaws in this. Anyway, we're going to take a break. (laughs) Uh, But that's good. I'm glad you're honestly. A little courage helps us through the crisis. Yeah, that was good. And congratulations to you, Bat. Thank you, Bryce Alexander Tobin. We figured out the middle name. He's done with his coursework. Uh, it's happening, folks. It's happening. We're we're already in the subject. Finding courage in the middle of your crisis. We've got an expert coming on. It's going to blow your mind. Tools for how do you manage a crisis and make sure that uh, as you're going through these difficult times of your life, how you can build your hope, how you build your courage. We're also going to uh, take a break, come back, and our own Bryce Tobin's going to um, give us a rant. Now that he's done with schoolwork, he's going to start ranting like he has never ranted before. I think he's found a doozy for us this time. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A uh, little board operation there going over there, Sky Boy. Are you, are you with us, Sky? Yeah, Andrew's just messing with my headphones and I can't hear anything. You know what? Don't get any of that facial hair of Andrew's uh, anywhere on that board. Headphones stuck in his mustache. Or any of the glue that you, he uses to keep it on his face. Oh, uh, this uh, No Shave November's got to end. Well, it always does. Every year it always ends. You know, it seems like it's going to probably end around December. It's actually kind of nice that uh, we have Thanksgiving because we all kind of disappear. Yeah. My mm-hmm. son's doing it. Uh, he's got a mustache just like you. Yeah. He's well, about, not just well, like mine. No, it's actually a little, yeah, it's a little thicker. He's 12. and <laughs> um, But I got a son that's 16. That it's, it's not a mustache. It's not. Okay? It's 70 straggly hairs. It's mm. a shadow. It's barely a shadow. It's kind of like a smudge. <laughs> a smudge on his upper He's lip. He's got a lip smudge. It's like he sneezed. But you, you're sporting the same thing, Andrew. And I'm not sure. I mean, it's, yours is coming in. Like we mentioned yesterday, Tom Selleck. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. when he was 18. Didn't That's he do he those like. gator movies? What are they called? Gator? Is that what they're called? I don't, I don't know. think I Tom did don't gator, know did about know. that one. Tom, uh, Tom Selleck. Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. Mm, a lot like shirts. a gator. Um, we'll come back to the stash. All right. Save that, because I know it took a lot of courage. It's had to take a ton of courage. Still does. <laughs> Good. Okay, uh, Bryce, this, now that you're done writing papers, I have a feeling your rants are going to pick up. Uh, well, hold on. Keep those expectations low. 
Careful. Well, I know, but I, what I'm trying to do is actually ramp up your expectations. For myself? I mean, expectations so that you ramp up. This is your last month. Uh, yes, it is. Actually, last month to the day. We're going to be losing some people on this show. And so one of them is going to be the great Bryce. He's going to go on to bigger and better things. To unemployment. Here I come. And you can always come visit. Eh. You could always rant, and then maybe we could, you know, put together a fund. If you fed buy me, your rants, I uh, one lunch per rant. How's that? Wow, I could do that. What uh, constitutes a lunch? We'll see. Hmm. Maybe a whole lobster. Maybe a ramen bar. Yeah, I could do they that call? too. A brick of ramen. A cube. Okay. This rant, though, is what. Uh, my generation is a whole bunch of annoying people who think all of their problems are actually problems. And I don't think most of them are. Not a real problem. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Crisis. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. For example, you can't find your shoe in the morning and you're already late for work. This is an inconvenience, not a crisis. You're on the highway speeding to work because you're going to be late and you hit a patch of ice. This is a crisis. Oh, and hold on tight. You're standing next to the side of the road with a broken car. You can't get a hold of anyone at work. The tow truck won't be here for an hour and it's starting to rain. Once again, this is not a crisis. These are a series of inconveniences. Then the rainstorm creates a tornado that's headed in your direction. This is definitely a crisis. Now run. You found a ditch with a pipe that goes under the road. You crawl in. The tornado passes overhead. You made it. You drop your phone in the gunky water. It's dead. And you're covered in mud. This is not a crisis. It's just terribly inconvenient. You get up when the coast is clear. Your car is gone. The tow truck is headed for the car's GPS. You're in the middle of nowhere. You have no way to contact other humans. And the tow truck is no longer heading for you. It's going for that mangled husk that is your former vehicle. This is a crisis. Get to walking. You've been walking for hours. It's getting dark. It's cold. You're hungry. You're still kind of wet. This is an inconvenience. A car drives up. Offers you a ride. There's a rusty hat it in the passenger seat. This is a crisis. Don't get in that car. Another less cannibalistic looking car drives up. You get their attention. They look safer. You hop in. You ask to use their phone. You get a hold of your boss even though it's after hours to explain. Your boss is sick of your excuses. Your boss fires you. This is an inconvenience, not a crisis. You get home. The guy who drove you home was cool and didn't have any hatchets. You get in your house. You have a message waiting. They found your car. This is a streak of good luck that I'm using in order to move the story forward for more bad luck. You call the insurance company. Your insurance was tied to your job and your boss was quick with the term papers, and technically they only found out about the wreck after you were terminated, so they can't do anything. This is a crisis. You're done with today. You change your clothes. You figure it's best to sleep this all off. You get in bed. There's bed bugs. So, do you see the difference? Inconveniences are just events that complicate your day. They happen all the time, and we can get through them. Crises? Crises? Crises. Alright, Spellcheck is telling me it's crises. These are the life and death situations that, if we don't deal with, we're going to die. That is the difference. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Philippines, crisis. Definitely crisis. Right? Uh, mustache, hair comb, stuck, ripped some hairs out of Andrew's face. Not a crisis. Not but a crisis. painful inconvenience. Painfully painful inconvenient inconvenience. and a bloody mess. Not a crisis. That's the differentiator right there. But if I had hemophilia, crisis. Eh. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, you for bleed you, out. Yeah, you can bleed out. <laughs> you can bleed out. That's a, that's actually a really important thing because a lot of times we overreact, thinking something's really big and it's not. I think part of it is okay. So you're you're in the the metaphor is you're in the pool. If you can make a splash, 
you're going to get noticed. But when the pool is filled with 10,000 people on Twitter, on Facebook, right. who can also make splashes, you got to splash louder and you got to yeah. say things like alligator or yeah. something to get some attention. But see, then when, then there's the cry alligator deal. The, the cry Don't alligator. cry alligator because then when someone does see an alligator, no one will believe you. Hmm. It's like crying wolf, something that may be on BYU Radio's blog page that I may have written something about. Go check it out. Wow. Nice Do you like piece. that plug? That was a Do great you like plug. that? Not subtle at all, but that was amazing. Uh, BYURadio.org. We're going to come back. When we come back, Kimberly Eclipse is going to be joining us. She is an expert in helping us handle a crisis. She's going to teach us that there are some powerful things that can happen when somebody goes through a crisis, a death in the family, you know, a disease, something that happens that impacts you. There are some great opportunities there to grow and to uh, build some courage. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Kimberly Eclipse right after this. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, kiddos. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. Today we're talking crisis. Crises, if we're going plural. Crisim, if we're going Latin. I don't know, I made that up. Um, We're talking about the impact that a crisis can have on your life. Uh, Obviously traumatic, right? Obviously horrible. None of us, you know, looking forward to my crisis, looking forward to my life crisis. The reality is, though, it's going to happen. Stuff happens. And uh, the mere fact that you're going through a crisis doesn't mean there isn't something in there and there isn't maybe healthier ways to handle a crisis versus um, and the lessons you can learn in a crisis. So we decided to bring on an expert. Her name is Kimberly Eclipse. She is a grief counselor for a Pennsylvania hospice. She's also a writer, a blogger, or a writer for Psychology Today. She's the creator of the goofy, inspiring PG-13 website, uh, abravelife.com, which is a fun website to go check out. Her mission is to help others make courageous choices particularly after a life-changing trauma, loss, or challenge. Kimberly, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. I mean, your website, tons of fun. You, Thank you. You're, you're hip, you're young. Not really. I mean, not like you're young, but you are. <laughs> I am. I swear I am. You are, and you're hip. And what's <laughs> what to me is, I, I, I just so you know, Kimberly, I totally relate to you because a lot of people look at me and say, hey, you seem like you're in a crisis. No, that's not what they say. They say, you look young and hip too, Matt. Isn't that right, Sky? I don't think I've ever heard those words strung together in a sentence well, before Well, you've never life. heard my mother talk to me. <laughs> But, but um, Kimberly. Well, I, I don't know how hip I look right now because I'm actually in pajama pants. And I, I'm really excited about being on a podcast because I can be perceived as an expert despite my pants. That's right. So, see, believe really me. Exciting. That's the only way the show can exist is because no one can see why. what we're wearing right now. Exactly. I know that's why. That's the real reason why you you chose this career, Matt. <laughs> that's exactly. Uh, Sky here wears capes, and I, I wear my pajamas as well. 
I wear. Awesome. I have a onesie. I don't know what you call it, but a zipper footsie, footsie zipper up. Footy, footy I pajamas. I have those yeah. too. Aren't they the coziest? <laughs> so cozy. The it's got to be Kimberly, and I know your personality. Somehow, it's interesting because you wouldn't see think somebody that's that's kind of a grief counselor for hospice mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. as fun and lighthearted as you are. Well, you know, I I do tone down the jokes. I don't yeah. make bereavement jokes, you know, when yeah. I'm when I'm with people, of course. Um, but you know, humor has really gotten me through some of the toughest situations in my life. It's just part of my personality, and sometimes you have to laugh, um, even even during a storm. Well, so. it's your gift, and in a way, you almost have to draw on your strength when times get tough, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Others have faith. Others have, I mean, you can have humor and faith, but there's another thing that you bring up a lot is, and some have courage. And it Mm -hmm. also seems like, so they can draw on their courage to get through it. But it also seems that some people don't, you know, don't Mm -hmm. have that. So here's what I want you to help us with. Um, First of all, help us understand what a crisis is. We just had a, we just did a segment about the fact that, you know, sometimes we use that word without ever really knowing what a real crisis looks like. So we're kind of naive mm-hmm. to it. What would you call or what kind of an event would you kind of deem a crisis or is a crisis just whatever I think it is? Hmm. Well, you know, sometimes when I walk into a restaurant and lasagna is not in the menu, <laughs> I have a crisis. I do too. What I'm talking about here is more of a life-changing crisis, something that really shakes you up. So this usually happens when something you greatly value is threatened or taken away. Hmm. So it's usually a person or a thing that brings you great joy, brings meaning and purpose to your life. Maybe it brings stability and comfort. Um, The most common types of crises that we encounter generally are things like the loss of a loved one, um, a divorce or, or a breakup, a serious change in your health, uh, maybe a terminal diagnosis. And another one is um, a layoff or a financial crisis that your family mm. might be experiencing. Huge. Those are the most common. Is that, um, do you sense just as a, as a kind of a bereavement or a grief counselor, do you, do you sense we use a lot of the same skills through all of those? Do we use the same tools to handle, you know, the, this litany of, of crises, or is each one just so individual, and is each person so individual? Well, it's a little bit of both. Of course, all of these situations are very different, but the common denominator is this sense of loss and also this sense of fear, fear that you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know if you can survive uh, the pain that you're in. So, uh, you know, I really connect with people who have experienced all different kinds of crises in their life because there is something, you know, pain is something that um, brings people together in a way. If, if you've really experienced a storm in your life and then you hear the storm of someone else, it, it's almost like there's an immediate connection because you understand that pain. Yeah. Um, and so it can be very similar from situation to situation. And yet we deal with it differently, of course, based on our personalities right. and, and um, you know, just our past experiences. I love that. Um, to me, anytime I kind of go through any hardship, I, I think to myself, okay, well, this is going to help me respond better to people tomorrow. 
Um, I'll, I'll use it that way for now. But there is something mm-hmm. really powerful about seeing somebody who's mourned um, and gone through like major crisis uh, teach the rest of us skills. Like uh, we, um, oh, I bring up her name all the time, Elizabeth Smart, who was kidnapped. You remember that whole Elizabeth mm-hmm. Smart story? Mm-hmm. Well, she right. lives in Utah, and we uh, I got a chance to hear her speak, and I've seen a, a book that she's writing. In fact, my wife just started reading the book. But that's – okay, that's a crisis. And then mm-hmm. when you hear her come and teach everybody about how she approached the crisis, it's – it actually – it's so powerful to see her ability to help others manage theirs, their crises, mm-hmm. as well as their, her ability to actually teach and synthesize what she went through. It's – Mm-hmm. It's so helpful. So the mere fact that you get to sit and look at it so often, uh, I think we all ought to sit up right now and be listening to Kimberly Eclipse. Mm. By the way, well, your name, you know seriously, Eclipse? <laughs> I know. You know, when I got married, I didn't change it because it was just so much more awesome than my husband's it is. name. It's such so a I great <laughs> name. So fill us in. What do you see What are, when you take people and you're helping people through a crisis, what, what are the questions? What are the things that start to come up in their head? Well, I hear uh, one question that I hear a lot is why? How did this crisis happen? Um, you know, people want answers. Uh, they're looking for comfort in answers. So that's a big question that I hear. Mm-hmm. I hear people asking, what could I have done to avoid this problem? What could I have done to stop it? Um, and you know, when there's a crisis that really, really challenges your, your uh, perspective on life, you start doing some soul searching. You ask questions like, you know, who am I now that this has happened? Mm. Who do I want to be? And what kind of changes do I have to make in my life, uh, just so that I can survive this and and stay sane. So, you know, these questions come up because the crisis really shakes up your life, um, and it just it just forces you to to ask the questions that you maybe were too distracted to ask before. It's it's interesting. We had a guest on uh, a while ago that talked about when you feel emotion. Um, the emotion may just be, you know, your body's way of calling you to be present in the now, mm-hmm. in the space. And, mm-hmm. and and then ironically, so here you sit and, and you're what the, these questions seem to be bringing up, like, why me? What now? Who am I? These are questions, it seems like, that our conscience, our subconscious, some part of us, our spirit, some part of us is going to start asking to help us kind of, I guess, reorder and reorganize. Is that what's going mm-hmm. on? Yes, absolutely. I, I listened to that interview that you mentioned, actually. It was very interesting. Um, you know, that's why I call a crisis. Another name that I have for a crisis is a sacred storm. It's a storm for obvious reasons, for emotional reasons. Um, but it's also sacred because it puts us in this position where we can explore things that we haven't explored before right. and um, it can it can help us to grow and and reach places that we never even thought we we could reach I love that. Um, so well, it's, it's sacred it's a meaning opportunity well and if it's a sacred storm it's really your storm is so mm-hmm. in a weird way I, I I could easily try to come in and you know talk you out of it uh, mm-hmm. you know, ch- help you channel, whatever. But the reality is I like the word sacred because if I walked into someone else's church 
and I, I wasn't a believer of that faith or whatever, I would still be able to see the sacredness of it and not stomp on it. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, I, I, I guess that's what I need to do, too, as an outsider. If somebody's going through a crisis or a sacred storm, I need to honor their need for space. Absolutely, because it's an opportunity for them, only they might not see it at the time. Mm. Having been through my own storm, I do know that it was like a gift to me in a way, um, and that's why I, I can really kind of recognize it for what it is in other people as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our, our first instinct is to make people feel better. So sometimes we're uh, moved to say kind of the trite sayings that yeah. you might You'll get over it. Someone who's suffering. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and that's just because we're uncomfortable when someone's in so much pain. Right? Yeah, yeah. But but uh, I find in my work as a grief counselor, people need to be heard and recognized for for what they're feeling and thinking. That's what they really appreciate in that moment. And and is there? It doesn't seem like there there is a bad feeling, or not a bad, an inappropriate feeling. When someone's going through their process of grief, it seems like we we should let them go through it their way. Yeah, yeah. It's very tempting to want to take the reins and yeah. steer them, you know, in a, to a specific place. Um, because, again, we just feel so uncomfortable when someone in front of us is in pain or they're just doing the wrong things. Um, so it can be very hard, but what they really appreciate, like I said, is, is your presence I and your, your compassion. Talk about, um, you say that a crisis sometimes puts a spotlight on the empty spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- wh- I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, I want to actually share a personal example. The reason why I became a grief counselor is because, and this is a very cliche storyline, but um, in 2005, I had all intentions of marrying this person I very much loved. I, I had a strong spiritual connection with him. That, that's really how I felt. Um, but very suddenly, he was just gone. Um, mm. Out of nowhere, it seemed, he shared that he didn't, feel that way and that he was leaving me for another woman. So it uh. was just, it was a loss that literally felt like a death. And in fact, I, when people were asking, why are you just staying in your room crying and not eating for days? And I said, oh, someone died. <laughs> I just lied because, yeah. you know, I, I just couldn't um, speak the truth. It was too painful. But you died, but all, right? Yes, yes. It did feel like a death. Hmm. It did feel like a death. So... When I say that a crisis puts a spotlight on the empty places in your life, what I'm talking about is that when you have someone, for example, like this man that I loved, um, sometimes we just, you know, we get caught up in autopilot. I was um, in a job that I didn't like, a career that I didn't like. I was very unhealthy, overeating, you know, of course, because I just ate on his schedule and he's six foot two, I'm five foot zero. (laughs) So I just ate two dinners sometimes if you felt like it, you know, you're just on autopilot. And when he was gone, I realized that, oh my goodness, I have to find happiness on my own, whether he's here or not, because, well, he's not now. Right. And, you know, am I really going to continue in this career that is crushing my soul? Am I just going to continue not caring for my body? 
So these are the things that came up for me when the, the, and he shouldn't have been the source of all my happiness, but you know, at the time I was young and he was. So when he, when he was gone, I had to find a way to be strong, um, for myself really. Yeah. And that's what I mean by, um, you know, looking at the empty spaces in your life. Yeah. You saw all of a sudden it became clear, empty space, empty space. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and so when a crisis happens, it's like you've got to uh, you, you take notice of all the things you were neglecting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, that kind of it, it's, it rings the bell, and everyone's like, "Oh, oh, too late! Now we got to try to fix it at the last minute." Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna take a break. We're talking with Kimberly Eclipse, who's a grief counselor uh, from and has a website. She's the creator of the Goofy Inspiring. PG-13 website, abravelife.com. Go check out that website. She's got books. She's got everything you need to kind of to make sure your grief uh, turns into something more than, I guess, just pain. Maybe even growing some courage. We're going to come back and talk to her about some of the keys to finding the courage amidst all the pain. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. There's that music put together by Skyboy and his band, the Skyboys Boys. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're talking about, you know, going through a crisis, coming out the other side, a little healthier maybe, maybe learned a few things, hopefully with some courage. Yeah, every one of us, we're going to face the crisis, whether it's, you know, the loss of a, a loved one, someone we care about, a breakup. Uh, our own little sky boy here would love a breakup. Uh, it's just, you know, it's a situation that has been, you know, very difficult for him to find someone to date long enough to have a breakup. So if you're interested in sky boy, give us a call one eight five five chat BYU. We'll get you a date sky. Then you can break up. Then Kimberly will help you through it. Our guest today is Kimberly eclipse. Coolest name in show business. Kimberly eclipse is a grief counselor for a Pennsylvania hospice. She's a writer for Psychology Today and the creator of the fun, goofy, inspiring website, abravelife.com. Her mission is to help others make courageous courageous choices, especially in these life-changing moments. You know, there's some serious traumatic events that I think we're all going to face one time or another. So, you know, on the show, we decided let's get a pro in here and have her walk us through it. Kimberly, welcome to the show again. Hi there. How you doing? I'm real. I'm really excited about uh, guys' date prospects now. You know what? I think I, the calls are they're going to come rolling in. I think. You know, ironically, uh, not one call. Oh, <laughs> not one. Well, oh, actually, there's one from Iowa. Apparently, this is his mother calling in. She always checks in on him. It's cute. Um, but we're hoping, Kimberly, you could line him up. Yep, absolutely. Help us, help us. So, Kimberly, uh, before the the break, you were talking about how sometimes when we go through the crisis, the crisis shines a light on some of those empty spaces in our life, maybe where we weren't, you know, we didn't reach a level of, you know, independence, we weren't strong enough, maybe we hadn't spent enough time on relationships, or it's it's kind of sometimes where those regrets kick in, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, w- which can be a good thing yeah. because it, it causes us to really reflect and learn lessons. But it's also a little bit dangerous because we have the potential of just spiraling into that guilt like a rabbit hole. So it's a delicate balance between, um, you know, just shaming yourself and then versus yeah. actually learning and, and lifting yourself up. I love that. And that is, I guess, where the point of courage needs to needs to appear. What are we supposed to do, do you sense, as the grief counselor, hospice worker, what are we supposed to do to build courage in those moments of crisis? Well, I, you know, I've worked with many people throughout my career, and I have noticed that um, they share similarities in terms of the, the people who are able to make it through the crisis and, and come out of it um, stronger. They do share certain things. So um, what I've noticed among them is that they typically have a strong support system. So this includes their family, friends, maybe their church community, um, they also, a lot of them, they just have this willingness to really just dig deep into how they're feeling, um, noticing, you know, their patterns, their healthy patterns, their unhealthy ones, um, just willing to be vulnerable. Do, do you see um, a difference? I could see a difference there. Um, like just as the people in my life that have passed away, I look at some of them are so open and real and others don't let you in. They just, they don't, it's kind of like, it always reminds me of like the dog that's been hit by the car or whatever that just kind of walks away and hides in the woods and dies mm-hmm. alone versus those that gather the family around. I've had a really neat experience just with a family member, an uncle that died, but how we gathered the family around. Uh, I just heard another story today from my sister about somebody that she cared about who gathered the family around and had the family around him and and just taught them, you know, taught them about life. What what do you sense yeah. is the difference between those that are willing to to open up and dig deep and those that aren't? Well, you know, I find that when when you are willing to open up, it means that you're willing also to um be hurt potentially. Mm-hmm. So the people who are able to really love and be emotionally vulnerable and to express their love for people openly, um, you know, that is courage because there are risks when you share your emotions and your feelings with people, when you open up to them, when you invest in them. Um, And those who are not able to do that, you know, sometimes it's generational, cultural, um, you know, the way that you were you were brought up, maybe just to not be expressive or um, vulnerable in that way. Um, But but that's really it really is. um, It makes things difficult for you and also for your loved ones, because that avoidance of being vulnerable, um, it just it shuts out the pain. But it also shuts out the potential for really, really deep connection with yeah. people. Isn't that interesting? You to, so some component of intimacy is this willingness to risk. You've got to be you got to be risking, and if you shut out the pain, the fear of risking, you will inherently shut out the people. 
Yes, yes, unfortunately. And, you know, I take this out of uh, Brene Brown's book. Mm. Um, she, Some of your listeners may know of her. She's a psychologist and a researcher, and she specializes in um, courage and vulnerability as well. And she has some wonderful, um, you know, books and things that people can, can read. But, uh, you know, it, it's really amazing. I had this client, a woman who was really struggling with, you know, depression and things like that. And her husband, unfortunately, was not able to support her because he couldn't, he couldn't be open. Um, And it really, it really caused a lot of suffering within their marriage, unfortunately. Uh, Well, and it's funny because we might even see that as honorable, like, I'm not going to let you die. I'm going to, and yet at some point they're dying. So if you're always, if you're always in denial about what's happening, you might be doing it in an effort to like not accept it, but you're also not you're not going to be present in the space with your partner. Right, right. And that example that you provided, it really highlights, um, you know, just our own personal definitions of strength. What is strength? Does strength mean that you don't show any sign of pain or vulnerability, right. or is strength maybe recognizing when? when someone needs help or recognizing when you need help and then asking for it. Yeah. Did you sense that men have a harder time, um, you know, opening up? I mean, you've sat there next to enough people who, is there a gender difference in how we grieve? There certainly can be. And again, um, it can be generational and cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, but I don't want to um, you know, just, just stereotype right. men and women in terms of how they grieve because I have also uh, supported many men who are very open and, yeah. um, oh, my goodness, I feel like when I'm talking with them that I'm the one learning and healing because they just have beautiful spirits. They just take it so, on. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Yeah. We have to take a break, uh, Kimberly. They keep, they keep ruining it with time breaks. Here we sit with a great conversation. We're going to take a break and keep talking to Kimberly when we come back. We're going to get into, let her finish, the five uh, ingredients she was talking about for courage. We've already got a strong support system and a willingness to dig deep. She's got more to teach us. We're talking with Kimberly Eclipse from the website abravelife.com. She's helping us learn how to uh, build courage through grief and the grieving process. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Another hour of fun and excitement as I look into the eyes, actually one eye of Skyboy. The other one's closed, his jaw gaping open, half asleep. Welcome to the program. Sky, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. Second hour. I'm so excited for the second hour. I know you are. Thank you for your excitement. (laughs) We also call the second hour Utopia, and uh, we've got a great guest helping us through this second hour. Kimberly Eclipse is her name, grief counseling, uh, 
is what she does for a living. She works at Pennsylvania for a Pennsylvania hospice. She's a writer on psychology today and is a creator of the goofy, inspiring PG-13 website, abravelife.com. You really got to go check out what uh, she writes about. Um, Again, look it up on psychology today, Kimberly Eclipse, or go to her website, abravelife.com. But her mission is to help people be more courageous and make more courageous choices, particularly after a life-changing trauma, a loss, or a challenge. Kimberly, again, welcome to the program. Thank you. So good to have you here. And you've already taught us, you know, the importance of the um, the moment that a crisis hits, the moment a crisis kind of eases in or slams into our life, it's it's a you're you're basically teaching us it's a choice point. There's a choice, a bunch of choices that have to start to be be made. The questions we're going to ask, how we're going to how we're going to handle this, how we're going to approach it, what we're going to do when we see mm-hmm. some of these holes that we've kind of created in our life, um, and then one choice is I guess the courage to you know to build courage through this process. You were talking mm-hmm. about the fact that you saw certain things in really, um, in a lot of the people, consistencies between people that seemed to make it through this process better than others. Mm-hmm. One was they had strong mm-hmm. support from friends and family. Another was the willingness to dig deep and dig deep in themselves, learn, share, be open. What are some other things that you've seen? Um, I've seen that people, uh, you know, which this is wonderful. They have an outlet for some of their thoughts and feelings. So, um, you know, probably everyone has experienced this. It really feels like a load is off your shoulders when you're able to express how you're feeling. Even if you don't come up with answers or solutions, just talking about it makes you feel so much better. So, um, you know, the people I've worked with, it's great. They, you know, sometimes they journal, they have friends that they can talk to, they might see a counselor or a therapist, um, they might uh, use art as an outlet for for their their feelings. So it's, things like that are really helpful. It's just really an avenue, right? A vehicle to get, I guess, the feelings, the emotions, some of the emotions are pain, but to get them out and to kind of at least surface them and get them out of you. Absolutely, because the worst thing you can do is bottle things up because we we know, so many of us know from experience, whatever you bottle up just erupts later, sometimes in, you know, a worse form. Yeah, so So true. (laughs) Uh, We've all done that. I think stuffed it in deep, huh, and then it still comes out. Um, I I turn into She-Hulk. It's very scary. Do you really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When I bottle things up, you know, it happens. To the best of us. Do you but go green? Like everybody, I'm learning. I'm yeah. getting a little bit better. Well, we all we all green. do it. We all turn yeah. into, but some don't. Some go out and turn into like She Hulk, and some just go <laughs> quiet and they kind of turn into, I guess, She Sulk, right? And they just <laughs> they just go in and they just turn inward. Yeah, that's true. I do that too. She yeah. Sulk. I like that yeah. one. Use that. Yeah. <laughs> you can use that anytime you want. <laughs> she Hulk. What's another one? So we've got the outlet for the thoughts. What are some other, uh, you know, ingredients for courage? Well, I've noticed people who have a, a great spiritual acceptance of what has happened. Hmm. It's almost like even in the in the eye of the storm, they just have this big picture way of seeing things, hmm. and maybe they don't have the specific answers as to why this happened or what will happen down the road to them. Um, But they know that there is potential 
in the situation, they find that, um, you know, they can learn something. Something can come of this situation, um, and, and they have their faith in that. I love that, which is, I guess, why you call a crisis, you know, it's a, it's a sacred a storm. storm. Mm-hmm, because absolutely. It's interesting. Every one of these, strong support system, uh, willingness to go deep, which is about like awareness, but friends mm-hmm. and family, awareness, uh, you know, some system to vent and get the feelings out, some spiritual focus. I mean, mm-hmm. th- these are the, these seem like the building bl- blocks of life, really. Mm-hmm. And all we're using them now for is to get through the crisis, whether it's the final crisis or not. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's so amazing about these uh, sacred storms that we go through is that they actually prepare us for the rest of life. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. even if you're just an, uh, an onlooker, like I noticed as a, as a culture, as a society, we're not great mourners. You know what I mean? Like we don't yeah. – some countries have a process. Some even like have a script. Some mm-hmm. have dates and deadlines, which probably is too forced or whatever. But a lot mm-hmm. of us don't know what to do. And so when you yeah. go to a funeral or a viewing, a lot of times we're sitting there and all we see is a bunch of really uncomfortable people kind of making the the widow or the person we're supposed to be trying to help even more uncomfortable while she's the one mm-hmm. that's actually most comfortable doing this in a way. Because she's been doing it for the last few days. Yeah. You know what? It's amazing that some of the stories that families share with me, uh, because I work in hospice, these families have the opportunity, uh, because we come in and care for their loved ones Mm -hmm. for their final several days or weeks or even months, um, some of them have the opportunity to then not have to worry about caring for their loved one's physical needs, they then um, can just improve their relationship. Um, I just got off the phone, actually, with a family where the son and the father, they had a very conflicted life together, and um, because the son was able to care for his father in the last days of his life, they kind of reconciled. Hmm. Um, Wow. In preparing for his death, they really put things together and... Um, you know, so it can be an amazing thing. Yeah. And I mean, what greater gift than healing, right? Mm-hmm. And being able mm-hmm. to, okay, all right, dad loves you. We don't need to hate each other. Um, huge. Yeah, yeah. What's another one? What's another key to courage you've seen in these, in these people? Uh, well, what I shared so far were things that um, help enhance our courage, but there are definitely what I'll call kind of ingredients that can prevent courage huh. from yeah. uh, really flourishing for you. Yeah. So one of these things is, um, you know, basically the opposite of what I listed already, you know, people without a support system, people who have this kind of endless obsession with trying to find out why, why this happened. I mean, that's natural, of course, and some answers that we get are comforting, but um, if you can't really let go of that question, it's hard to move forward. That's so Um, interesting. Maybe it's interesting, the corollary of having some spiritual acceptance, even if you don't understand the exact specifics of why, but having a bigger picture mm -hmm. might let you let go of the why. To ask the why one time I tripped. It's a funny story. We don't have time for it. But I tripped, and my wife and I were walking, and I didn't want to fall, so I fought it. Okay, So I fell for about a block. 
and I was falling, and my my ego's like, no, you're not going to do this, so outrun it. So I'm trying to run faster while I'm falling. Anyway, turfed it, and uh, I you know I felt pretty stupid. I ran for a block while I fell, and my wife got up there, and the first question she asked is, why did you do that? Why? And I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me? You're asking me a why question right now? But it's funny. We yeah. want. It's just. It's the first thought in our head is why me? Why? It's not fair. Yeah, that's true. And then that's even true. worse is when we make it worse. We're like, why not so and so? They're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Oh goodness. Yeah, yeah. That the endless the obsession time. with the why. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I spent um, three years asking why. You know, my former flame left me, and mm-hmm. what was wrong with me? And that was why. You know, I actually experienced a, a depression after that. And part of it was because I was stuck on the why. So I I learned the hard way that that can be a very destructive question to ask or to dwell on rather. Well, and that's these are important things to know for the rest of us that are trying to help the person that's going through the crisis. We need to be there as a support system and don't ask stupid questions (laughs) like that's not stupid, but don't ask. (laughs) Don't just keep don't you obsess. If what if you're what if you what if you were the dying person and your grieving wife kept asking why? Mm-hmm. Um, you could mm. you could shoot the entire last few months together, just dealing with a question that will never be answered and not be that's present true. with each other. Right, that's true. Huge, that's true. Okay, yeah. keep teaching us. What so the other opposites? What are the other opposites? To um, well, some people, you know, they just don't have the the tools or the resources to kind of help them through the situation. So, Ugh. I mean, for you and for me, you know, we're in the, the world of yeah. mental health, so we have access to lots of books and lots of peers in our right. professional community, but not everyone has those things, and they don't know how to find them, which is why if you are able to, you know, if you don't know where to find these resources, you really can uh, reach out to a professional, and they can show you, you know, where where you can go and what your options are. There's no shame in that. Well, and there's also there's nothing if 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 you in the listener land out there have not sat down with someone from hospice before, whether it's for you or just a friend that's in hospice. There, you are the weirdest breed ever, Kimberly. But I honestly <laughs> think, but you're one of the most special breeds there is. The, the there because you, you really. You you're willing to walk into some of the hardest moments, and you guys thrive there. It's a cool so get to know somebody in life that is in hospice because they're not afraid to deal with the toughest stuff, and you just seem to have some of the most incredible attitudes and insights. Yeah, it's really an honor to work with all of my coworkers, and 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 actually, I have to say that so many of them were brought into this work because they lost someone they loved, Did they? Um, because of their own storm. Yeah. yeah. So it's just another example of how, if you're able to get through your storm um, with courage, you know there are benefits to it. You can help others. You can yeah. you can rise above. You know. So those are the kind. That's the caliber of. of people that I'm working with, people who have endured their own storms and are now helping others. Yeah. Love it. Seriously. Um, uh, what else? What are the, what are the other things that run up against courage? Um, one common one is shame. 
shame about how you may have contributed to to the storm. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a big difference between feeling guilty about things that you've done versus feeling ashamed of who you are um, because of what you've contributed. Yeah. So, um, and of course, guilt can be healthy because it changes our behaviors. We we wise up a bit, you know, we, we try to fix our mistakes. But shame is so strong because it, we connect we connect our identity and our worth to our mistakes. Oh, wow. And when we do that, again, we kind of can spiral down into this this pit. Yeah. Um, and it's a very dangerous place to be. And unlike like with guilt, you can actually become better uh, when you're aware of your mistake. But shame, uh, you don't focus so much on your mistake so much as what a terrible person you are. Yes, and how yeah. are you? How can you improve and learn from the situation when you're just so certain that you're a terrible person? Mm. You know. And then you add that complexity to your crisis, and uh, yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, um, parents who lose a child, um, they can get kind of stuck in this situation, too, because they're supposed to be the the protector. And yet this has happened to my child. Um, There are different kinds of storms that that more easily bring about this sense of shame. Right. Um, So it's it's a scary thing. It's a a sad thing and something that um, you need oftentimes outside help to help you get through that. Yeah. Wow. And then um, any others as part of the downward spiral, the opposite of courage? Yeah. You know, the last one that really keeps people back is just this really relentless anger and blame uh, pointed towards a person or maybe a group of people who they feel is responsible for their storm. No, you can see that in a tragic accident, you know, the driver of the car, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, anger is normal, you know, but here's another thing about anger is that it's actually more of a secondary emotion underneath the anger, underneath my She-Hulk or my (laughs) She-Sulk, or actually underneath the She-Hulk is the She-Sulk. There you go. Anger is kind of secondary and beneath it oftentimes is Sadness, pain, loss, yeah. and fear. And it's just coming out that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about hope as we wrap this up. Um, courage, these tools, you know, d- doing what works, that list of, of what works to create uh, more courage. There's, you found a corollary to courage and hope. What, what is the relationship mm-hmm. there? Oh, my goodness. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Basically, you know, you can't really take courageous action unless you have the hope that the payoff is worth the discomfort of stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't believe that it's worth it to um, do take these scary actions, be courageous, then you probably won't. And hope the hope is so powerful. You know, I like to say that it's spiritual and it's bigger than you. And the reason is because hope actually enables people to do amazing things. Yeah. Like they've, there have been many studies on the power of hope. So, for example, um, women who are delivering babies, um, you know, they're in labor. The women who are more hopeful about the outcome of the delivery, uh-huh. they report that they actually experience less pain. In, during childbirth. Really? Just because they are more hopeful and optimistic. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. It's amazing how powerful it is. Another example that's so interesting is, um, you know, they did this study with college freshmen. Um, They measured how hopeful they were about getting good grades at the end of the semester for this particular class. And the students who were more hopeful did, in fact, do better in that class, even though their IQs were not higher. um, Maybe, you know, their history in, in an academic setting was not any better than the other kids. But it's their hope um, and their expectation that there would be good at the yeah. end of this tunnel. Yeah. That is kind of what pushed them to really reach yeah. the potential. That's so – see, my mom actually pushed me. But that <laughs> is the hope that she wouldn't hurt me kind of a feeling. <laughs> There's, there, we've all got that, right? I mean that's – and that's an interesting way to look at it. If you have the hope – um, there's a great quote, uh, people in the Bible, people without vision perish. Mm-hmm. And that hope, that hope is that vision, right? So if you have the yeah. vision of what's, what could happen here for the good, um, mm-hmm. you don't have to die right now. Now, right, right. if you're terminal, but having a vision of what's going to happen, happen after powerful. Yes. Yes. Visualization. That, that is very powerful. It's yeah. huge. Okay. Give us the one thing we got to wrap it up, Kimberly. What's the one thing as you sit down and get to, you know, be in these final moments, what what's the number one thing you've learned about a crisis that seems to like maybe make it so you're not as afraid to go mm. through one? That's a good question. Um, well, I know from my personal experience, I learned that once you go through one and you are able to develop courage and character, it makes me feel like I can be okay in the next storm. Mm. And, it, and I know that there are more storms to come. Yeah. So the great thing is that it's like a snowball. You become stronger with each one um, if you choose to. And so above all, courage really is a choice. It's a choice to act in a way that is uh, an act in a way with integrity and compassion towards yourself and others even though it's scary. So courage is not, you know, the elimination of fear. It is doing the right thing despite the fear. And if you can do that, oh my gosh, so many blessings are on on their way. Love it. Kimberly Eclipse, you did it. Done. We've now been edified. You're great. So fun. And, uh, you know, She-Hulk is underneath the, the she no the she sulk is underneath the she hulk yes she is <laughs> always remember that go check out kimberly's website a brave life.com she's got books you know tools other things there that uh, are there to edify and help you gain courage through crisis we're going to take a break we're going to come right back we're going to show you that sometimes there's a funny side to trauma and uh we're going to even bring up a, a funny comedian that's got a little bit of a bit around his own heart surgery. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're joined now by uh, Andrew, who's sporting um, a Tom Selleck mustache, and he just brought up an incredible point that a lot of you may not know about facial hair and liquids. What was the point, Andrew? A mustache, in theory, should be able to hold 20% of its own weight in moisture. 
There you have it. Something you may not have known you needed, but if you do need to store moisture, get a mustache. I mean, it's not a, a lot. Mustache is a pretty lightweight. Well, but sure. But 20% of anything. Also, it still uh, shouldn't be scoffed at. The average mustache wearer will touch his mustache. I was about to say his or her mustache. But well, don't hey, hey don't no. Um, We're equal. Yeah, opportunity. So the average mustache wearer will touch his or her mustache <laughs> upwards of seven hundred times a day. Okay, and we're not even talking about this, but that's just gross. <laughs> which is, it's even worse when you're touching someone else's stash. Let's just put that out there. Okay. You have a comedian. So we're sitting here in our show prep yesterday talking about crises. We're all very serious talking about it. Tom Selleck walks in. Oh, Tom Selleck, you know, double walks in and says, I've got a really funny comedian who's had heart surgery that would be a good story to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So basically uh, – this guy, Stephen Tobolowsky, he's a character actor. He's done probably hundreds of things. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Okay. I'm going to go look for him. I, I'm sure you would. You'd know You'd know who it was. Yeah. And he had this podcast called The Tobolowsky Files. It still exists. You can go look it up. Yeah. So buzz marketing for a free podcast. <laughs> and he told a story. It took three hours to tell about his heart surgery. Really? Because he went into and, – and he couldn't do it for – Several months. It might even have been more than a year after it happened that he could talk about it on this podcast to to get over it psychologically. So he used his humor to evaluate his own traumatic heart surgery, which is traumatic. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good balance of serious yeah. and comedic, but there were some some definite funny moments. He he told stories. For example, he talked about after the surgery, while he's in recovery for yeah. for several days, he said. Uh, they had these pipes hooked up to his chest because it was open heart surgery. Yeah. And, and he had already explained about how they do that and they pull your shoulders back. Aren't they more like tubes, not pipes? Well, yeah, more like tubes, and I, I just guess. don't want to see – you know, we're not putting a metal pipe in him. Right. Um, so these, these tubes yeah. are hooked up to his chest cavity with a pump Ugh. and there's a bucket next to his bed. Yeah. For what he said they referred to as drainage. Yeah. Yeah. You got to drain – yeah, the chest cavity. And – at one point, he made the mistake of looking at that oh, bucket. No. Yeah, he he, uh, you know, got his courage up to deal with this crisis, and and he looked <laughs> inside the bucket, and he said that uh, he had talked to a a psychologist when he was younger who said there were terrible things inside him that would terrify him, really? and he knew that all of those things were now inside that bucket. So he he took the therapy and it 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 didn't have to gross him out. That was the that was the bad stuff coming out. Well, it was still pretty pretty gross. It did gross him out. But um That's great. You know, all throughout this this story he talks about and and this is something I mean, heart surgery, people get bypasses. Yeah. All pretty the common. time. Like yeah. people it, but, it happens. But big deal. I mean, you know, they stop your heart, right? Yeah. And they they take arteries and veins yeah. from other parts of your body over, yeah. and, and stick them. Yeah around your heart and stuff yeah. like it's it's pretty pretty intense but people do this people right. have the courage to deal with this this crisis and he talked about you know when when he first was concerned when he went to the doctor and the doctor said yeah you've got a problem like three of your arteries are blocking yeah like really close like you could die and he's like okay so what do we do and and they said well we want you in surgery we could do it tomorrow or we can wait two weeks till after Christmas. 
Jeez. And boy, well, I've got a lot of shopping. And he today. and he said, you know, well, you know, I I in his mind he's saying I really think I'd prefer to do it after Christmas. Let's do it tomorrow. Is, <laughs> is, is what he said to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Good choice. That's what I would have picked." Yeah, good choice. And and so he had to meet the the surgeon who That's, was going to do it. And, and then can you imagine meeting your surgeon? Oh, okay. How are you? Yeah, man, your hands are huge. <laughs> like, do you want a little-handed surgeon or a big-handed surgeon? And 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 all that experience, they they went and they marked all the veins that they might be able to use. Oh my! Heavens. And then he had to go home that night, all marked up, and talk to his family about it. His his wife and his sons. How cathartic, really, for him to go use humor to kind of process this. Well, I mean, it still took, still took him a while. Yeah, but you know, he went and and it was. Really, a, a great story to listen to, and, and he talks about a lot of interesting things. Steve Tobolowski, what's the podcast called? The Tobolowski Files. The Tobolowski Files. And again, reported by Magnum PI, Tom Andrew Selleck. Andrew Tom Selleck. Good work, Andrew. You did great. Thanks. You redeemed the mustache. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, our own Peggy Woodruff's going to join us. She is our resident mom. She's going to walk us through the importance of gratitude and trials. She's going to educate us in how to be grown-ups, how to act normal, healthy, handle trials. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Two more segments to go. We're wrapping it up. We bring in the superstars now, folks. Peggy Woodruff from our sister station, Classical 89. That's it. Is that it? (laughs) I just lucked out. Oh, I've got your bio right in front of me. Accomplished voice artist and actor. She's an actress. One time we've had her do uh, Gollum's voice. We don't, I'm not sure. We don't have to do that every time. She's got a bachelor's in theater and cinematic arts from Brigham Young University. Graduate work in acting at the University of Wisconsin at Madison. That's where she became a cheesehead. She's fluent in <laughs> they Spanish. They do have and great French. cheese. <laughs> do they have good cheese? They really do. Oh, I and want ice cheese. cream. Good ice. We had cream. a big fight about ice cream yesterday because they had they had ice cream in the. Did you see that? I did. I saw it. Room. I didn't eat it though. I didn't either. And Sky did. Which he needs it today because he is lethargic. There was a vat of chocolate that I just I wanted saw that. to All dip I my wanted was in. the caramel and the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. This big, huge. Sky, uh, you need something, my friend. I do need something. I mean, I brought M&M's yesterday. Of course, yeah, we did not eat that's them. That's not today, though. Oh, wow. Good point. That's all I'm saying. That's why I'm, yeah. I'm lacking. Again, Peggy, let's just, before we get into our real subject of gratitude, um, why don't you, in your motherly way... Peggy's got six children, two grandchildren so far. Will you tell him to eat? He only come, he always comes in hungry, and then he thinks we're going to feed him, and then we don't. This is a problem that I wish I had. Some yeah. people forget to eat. I never do. And you so just love I wish I would forget I love to, eat to eat sometimes. Too. But, you know, eating is – I can tell you from my own time in college when it was finals week, and we would put – 
a pan of oil on the stove, and we would mix up a batch of scone dough to、oh. stick in the fridge. And all week long, we ate scones, fried in rancid, oxidated Who oil. Who cares? The oil. And every year, I got a horrible case of bronchitis. You did? You think it was that? Not eating. Well, I just we did the things like this. Yeah, Nobody talked about good nutrition. No. no. <laughs> so, Sky, you have no. Excuse, because we talk about good nutrition now, and you do have to.、It's、true. We also tell you to wear your seatbelt. Yeah. Right, and we、yeah. tell you to not eat that gum under the table. Yeah. And you still do. Well, you know,、oh, life's about learning lessons, and <laughs> <laughs> he does.、Um, okay. Well, we'll、uh, Peggy, Peggy has spoken. Sky. Okay. She's speaking in behalf of your mother, who is not present. She's not present. I will do my absolute very best to eat. Well, that what a cop out. That <laughs> just say, I will eat no, no, I think, from I here think, on out. I think my thing、show. is I just get hungry really fast because I do eat a lot. You have a high metabolism. I just I just I eat an hour,、That's、an hour and a half later. I wish I had a high metabolism. <laughs> That's it. You just need to bring food that you can con- an IV. I'm not, I'm not allowed to eat in the studio. So do you think、yeah. it'd be okay for him to bring an IV in the studio? <laughs> They haven't given any definite rules against、okay. IVs in the studio. If I could just lay in bed and have soup, fed, I don't even have to eat the soup. It could just come in through an IV all day. Ooh, we could put it down one of those tubes through your nose. Yeah, we、disgusting. could just. That would have to go down. <laughs> so Peggy, talk gratitude, okay?、Uh, and it's not like we we always make you sound like you're you really are the mom of the studio because the rest of us seem to not have the common sense you do, <laughs> and so. You've, but we also you've been a mother over a bunch of missionaries, hundreds of missionaries out there in Brazil. Gratitude. So we think we need to talk about gratitude. Crises are going on in our lives. There's always going to be a crisis. How do we gain gratitude? Where do we find it? That's a good question. You know, I remember years ago sitting down with a group of women, and I think we were we were tying a quilt for some service project. And everybody chats,、yeah. and pretty soon they were talking about their lives, and, and I just sort of sat back and listened because it sounded as if, well, this happened in my life. Well, that's not as bad as what happened、you、in my life.、Bad. This happened in my life. You want to、yeah. hear bad? This is what happened in my life, and it went on and on. And suddenly, my dear sweet neighbor spoke up, and she said, "I've had a wonderful life." She said. I am so blessed. <laughs> I've been so blessed in my life. That's such a. And different then I、experience. looked at her, and I knew some of the problems that she'd had in her life, and she hadn't had a problem-free life. Yeah. But somehow the gratitude rose above it. Interesting. And how can we make that happen? I wonder. Did anyone like hit her over the head with a? No, but、board? it sure shut down the the pity me conversation. It is. <laughs> See, we go for the pity, don't we? Because it's almost like that negative energy. Yeah. Festers us better. It's like a better irritant. Yeah, it's like an honor or something. Yeah. I don't oh, know. you think you got a fan? <laughs> Isn't it? But see, when right when you said that, there's some people in their head that's thinking, "Oh boy, look at Mrs. <laughs> Goody Two Shoes." But you actually knew the trouble. So if that if that woman, what a powerful statement to come from a woman. That if everyone knew, yeah, like what if that was the survivor? And I think some of them the, did know, and perhaps that why, that's, that's why it why,、huh? mellowed out the conversation somewhat. Isn't it interesting? Because、um, she'd had some pretty tough difficulties in her life, but had had chosen to to choose gratitude. You got to see it, though, don't you? You got to. You it, it may not be natural for some of us to see it at first,、mm-hmm. and then 
Maybe that's the job of some that do see it very easily is let me just show you the good. Yeah. Yeah. But I think most of us have to cultivate it, Mm -hmm. have to nurture it. I don't think gratitude can pop up in the crisis yeah. without having been stockpiled beforehand. Yeah, sometimes there's there's not inherent stuff to make the gratitude out of. Yeah. It's just empty. I think one of the most difficult well, you can call it a crisis, but it sometimes it's also just a chronic crisis is depression. Oh yeah. And I have another dear friend who told me once upon a time, she said, let me tell you the best thing that a counselor ever told me. She has, depression has reared its ugly head in her life more than once and mm-hmm. sometimes for long periods of time and sometimes it softens. And But she said this counselor told her to keep a daily gratitude journal. Yeah, that's huge. And she said, sometimes all I had to write down in my gratitude journal was my back didn't hurt as badly as it did yesterday. Didn't die. (laughs) (laughs) Still breathing. (laughs) That's right. Interesting. And so she would write down every good thing she could think of. My neighbor smiled at me today. The deer did not eat the tulips. Whatever. And she said, over time, she said she thought that was what brought her depression up out of the doldrums yeah. more than anything. Well, so think of that. So chemically, you might be prone to depression because your body doesn't make the right chemistry. Mm-hmm. But then psychologically, you probably take that chemistry and fester it because you, then you use your mind, this incredibly strong intellectual thing to keep validating that bad feeling. Yeah. Or sometimes the thoughts precede the chemistry. But she broke out of it by forcing her mind to think a different way. Mm-hmm. Find another way. Find the gratitude. And yeah. then you look for it and you're going to find it. Yeah. And it became a habit with her. She she said she did it. She kept doing it. Hmm. And she noticed that the gratitude things got bigger. Really? Not just bigger the deer list. didn't eat the, two, oh, the interesting. tulips. But, but more noticeable things that she hadn't noticed before perhaps. Wow. That's how you stockpile it then. Yeah. Then, then you've got all of that for when, you know, real storms come. Uh-huh. I mean, imagine, though, being already kind of hindered with depression and a history of that, not ever having stockpiled, and then a big tragedy comes. Some of this needs to be preventative a little bit, right? we got to do what we can ahead of time. Yeah, thinking ahead of the trial. Not dreading for it to come, but but filling your bucket with good things that can sustain you when, when crises do hit. Right. Not just meds. Yeah. That just knock you out. <laughs> and give you a side yeah. effect. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's – but then again, you don't want to be – we always see all these people stockpiling and look out. The world's ending. Save <laughs> your guns and your ammo. Buy ammo. But we ought to be stockpiling emotionally the exact same way, preparing – like we talked earlier about the importance of your relationships. Are you stockpiling really healthy, strong relationships for the day you need them? Yeah. You're going to need them. Are you still stockpiling spirituality mm-hmm. for the day you need them? Yeah. It's huge. I, you know, I, um, I was reading earlier today when I knew that this was going to be our subject. Philip Watkins, who is an Eastern Washington University psychologist, he did a study that indicated that traumatic memories fade into the background for people who regularly feel gratitude. Really? Yeah. Traumatic, traumatic memories. memories. So a, a memory of traumatic abuse 
perhaps an accident, a, something you saw happen to somebody that you shouldn't, you didn't need to see as a uh-huh. kid or whatever. But they'll fade the more grateful thoughts you have in your mind. Mm-hmm. Wow. That seems obvious. <laughs> that seems great. It does. It really does. I remember a time in oh, I was it was years ago. I was much younger and it was the spring and it was a beautiful spring and I had recently moved back home and I was feeling grateful for for being with family again and and there were a couple of things in my life that were really uncertain, really kind of hard. Yeah. And I remember distinctly the dichotomy of, yes, feeling that these things were really hard, but feeling just the joy of life. I'm so glad to be alive and I can feel these things. I can go through this. I don't have to go around it. I can go through these hard times and figure it out and worry and cry. And, And I'm still so glad to be alive. I was so grateful for that because that... I've thought back on that at other hard times and thought that that was teaching me something. Yeah. Well, there's something about balancing both good and bad because look at the joy that comes being a parent and the serious pain. (laughs) Like, oh, my word, you're not going to turn your assignment in? Are you kidding me? (laughs) You'll fail. But there's yet – so inherently in the balance of the good and the bad, there's something divine. There's like something – like how could a god could sit there and look down on this world in such trauma and yet see that we're growing to f- love him and care more about him? And and he s- sees so much further than uh-huh. we do. And, sees the sp- and he can just sit in the space. I mean that's our problem. We don't sit in the space very well. We take one <laughs> side or the other and then we start conjuring up stories. And You know what? I have a great quote from um – from Victor Hugo. Oh, I love Victor. Have courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. Mm. Love that. What does Victor Hugo know? <laughs> a lot. He wrote a book, The Miserables. <laughs> that is um, that's profound. I thought so. See, that's what you do. You like take us to a level of, I don't know, we seem so put together when you're on the show. <laughs> it all slows down too. Uh-huh. It's so much better. Um, Thanksgiving seems like a perfect time. And what is it? A week away? Or are it we? is. Yeah. So we ought to be gearing up. Like, like maybe now is a great time to start asking yourself, what am I grateful for? So that we can make sure that by the time Thursday hits, we're able to voice it. There you go. Do you have any Thanksgiving traditions that you do with your family? Oh, that- yeah. We um, we like to walk. We call it the Bataan Turkey March. And what does that consist of? It consists of going from my in-law's house, which is in downtown Salt Lake, east side of downtown Salt Lake City, up to Bountiful which used to be about a 15-mile walk. And I inherited this through marriage. So that's why I'm a big believer. Your wife's family did it. They did it because the kids would leave early because the parents didn't, weren't ready to leave. And then 
they'd end up picking the kids up so far along, and then they decided, let's just all walk, and then we'll get a ride home. And it, you lose, you know, you get healthy, and you're starving by the time you get there, and a great chance to talk. So there's a lot of cool tradition to it. So we always go on a really long walk. No matter the weather? No matter the weather, wow. usually. And, you know... Then kids came, so someone needed to stay with the kids, and I'm like, I better do that. I don't want to ruin your tradition. I'll watch the kids. <laughs> and then the kids grew up, and so now I go. But I'm sporting some plantar fasciitis in the foot. Oh, so I actually be painful. I, it, it'll go. It'll be good because yeah, I'll, it'll just I won't be able to walk for three days after, but I'll stretch out. So that's my tradition. But it's cool because then we get a chance to talk, and that would be a great place to share where we're grateful. What do you guys do? <laughs> My dad used to used to recite a poem that he had really? made himself. Just a just he's just always a poet. at the dinner table table. It's called Oh Thanksgiving. Really, you have it, it memorized. It goes like Oh, I do. Okay, I've memorized it since. Keep a the child. tradition alive. Let's hear it. It went Oh Thanksgiving, Oh Thanksgiving, Oh Thanksgiving, Oh Thanksgiving, Oh Thanksgiving, Oh Thanksgiving, Oh Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I put it on a plaque when I was young and I modge-podged it. It's beautiful. Thank Did you, you modge-podge it? Yeah. It's, uh, I was moved. Thank you. <laughs> this guy's trying to figure it out. Once we, uh, we did the dishes in the bathtub because the, the sink had overflowed and... We all did all the best china dishes in the bathtub. Memories. Good memories. Were you sitting really in the tub good. while you were doing No. <laughs> I was kneeling at the tub. Handing them out. We have a video of it. How cute it is that? Fun. See, that's family time, tradition time, time for gratitude. Yeah. A time to maybe take toll from the trials. Like, how are we doing? Who did we lose? What did we love about them? I mean, it's a great time to kind of wrap up the year even. It is. Any time around the table is a great time to just appreciate what you have and who you have. Yeah. Did you get that, Sky? He didn't get it. It's because there's a table involved, so he thinks dude. <laughs> um, do one more thing. I want to hear your quote again from Victor Hugo. Okay. Wrap it up I have that. several quotes, actually. You, will you give, give us more? Educate well, us. Nora Ephron, I don't know if you know her, but she wrote some screenplays for movies like Sleepless in Seattle. Okay. But something struck me in her quote, be the hero of your life, not the victim. I love that. We're such a bunch of pity partiers. <laughs> and you know, sometimes I do better with the big crises than the little yeah. irritations yeah. and inconveniences. Yeah. But when a big crisis hits, I gird up my loins mm, and I'm ready it. to do what needs to be done and to be sensible. My husband and I are a great team because when one of us is falling apart, the other one is together. I love that. <laughs> See, that's why you're supposed to be married because then true. you, you, you got have the somebody to shore you up. Great quote. Anyway, um, Victor Frankl, uh, you know him? Yeah. Well, you don't know him. Not personally. <laughs> a psychiatrist, Austrian yeah. psychiatrist captured by the Nazis, Jewish man thrown into Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. He said, there's no need to be ashamed of tears. For tears bear witness that a man has the greatest of courage, the courage to suffer. Hmm. Sometimes we just have to endure what's on our plate. There it is. And here's Victor Hugo's. Have courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. 
And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. Love it. Good man. You did it again, Peggy. Peggy Woodruff, you can find her at byuradio.org. Nope, classical89.org. Yep, that's what I was going to say. We've got, you've got our web stream. We do some great music. And, and she's got the brain to, to do that, John. <laughs> you're you, kind. you got to know a lot. Peggy Woodruff, you're the best. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. Wrap up the show, you know, with a little bit of a roundtable. Is it a big deal or not actually a big deal? This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, kids, to the Matt Townsend Show. That is the Roundup Rodeo music that uh, Sky's band, Sky's Are Us, put together. No, no, no. The Skylarks. The Skylarks. Put together. There it is right there. That's him. <laughs> Sky. That's Sky's part, the part that sounds like a little hummingbird bee. That's really good. We won't even tell you how he does that, but it does involve a rubber band and some saran wrap. Dead air. You're giving away too much already. <laughs> okay. We are talking as we wrap up the show. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a bit here. Not a bit. A roundtable. We're going to go around and just, you know, what did we think was a big deal that we had deemed was a crisis? Maybe it didn't turn out that way. Uh, for me, I yeah. would say at one point in my life, there was this big crisis, this thing that I thought was really important. Yeah. Um, that would be high school. Uh, in retrospect, <laughs> looking back, not actually important. <laughs> No, don't teach the people that. No, actually, um, pretty much forgotten most of high school. Really? Yes. How about those really awkward, gawky moments when your voice was changing? Uh, that actually that happened important. in middle school, and I was on vacation while that happened. So no peers got to <laughs> witness that. So you but I bet your family didn't deal. let you live it down. They, yeah, they got to be around for that. Oh, okay, that's good. So that's where we're going. How about I thought making a baseball team in high school was going to be a big deal, and I didn't make it. And I thought that was a big deal that I didn't make it, and it didn't matter because I still had a successful modeling career. <laughs> Why are you all laughing? Well, there's always that. That is That's so great. Oh, are you going to push a button? What button were you going to push? Yes! <laughs> I saw him going for it. I so wanted it to happen. His timing's impeccable. Okay, you got one, Skyboy? Skylark? Uh, I do have multiple, probably, actually, if I can think back. But Let's the... just have one. <laughs> Start uh, there. When my first girlfriend broke up with me. Okay, t- this was when you were six. Go ahead, go there. Well, I was 16 at the time. Really? What was we dated name? for a long time. Stephanie. Was this the roadkill girl? Uh, no, that, okay. was, that was a different girl. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, when she broke up with me, I thought... You thought it was over. You know, we had our whole life planned out, yeah. you know? So it was... <laughs> really? Just, yeah. Just for a second, what, what were some of the plans? Um, get married. How many dogs? I don't think we talked about dogs. Okay. I, you know, Matt, this was a really long time ago. I can't remember all the plans. But at the time, I thought my <laughs> life was over. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Is that when this whole dating thing started well, to fall apart? Well, I think, you know, that's the, my first girlfriend. You kind of... The first one's always special. Yeah. Look at Peggy. See, she actually cares. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Peggy. You're welcome. You should be on the show more. <laughs> I love Peggy. 
Just so you know, Peggy, he's never had a girlfriend. <laughs> so we I, don't I know. That, that was That's a, a cute right face. There. Hey, look at that. <laughs> would have liked that face a lot of years ago. Yep. Yep. He's cute. Okay, I tried oh, out. I tried out for Sundance Summer Theater when summer. Yeah, the theater here up in the mountains, Sundance yeah. Ski Resort. And I did a great. What was audition. the play? I don't even remember okay. because I didn't make it in. But I you did a great it. audition, and I thought it was going to be, you know, the disaster of my life. And it turned out that I had a great summer. Without. I had one of the best summers of my life without Sundance. Really? And they probably had a much better summer without me because I am really not the belt, belting singer type. Yeah. And they need belters there. They need – because it's outdoors. It's in yeah. the mountains. No. It echoes. I it, just went there. You – just give us a little belting or something. I, I really can't belt. Okay. Don't know why there's no sun up in the sky. Wow. Stormy weather. Holy cow. That's a really, 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 really old song. <laughs> that was but, it's older than me. Let me but tell you, you invoked Sky's name. Oh! <laughs> and when you said his name, he perked up like someone and, talking and now, to me. <laughs> and now, anytime you sing that song, he will just appear in his superhero suit. Hold to on, save we the need day. to get that as a hot button because okay, I'll make sure. It copy happens. that hot button. That boom, because that's the most attention we've had from Sky in years. <laughs> that's just a song that I used to play at restaurants and weddings a lot. Did so, you really? Yeah, so that's why I perked up. Why I didn't you song. sing? Why don't you guys do I, a duet? I didn't sing. I played the guitar. I was never the singer, so. That was really I'm good actually thing. a soprano, by the way, so that. Me too. I'm <laughs> Bones on that one. Total soprano. Well, there you have it. Uh, we don't have time. Sorry, Andrew, for Stash but Boy. It was such a good one. Was it? Okay. You're well, about it's a, sort of an inverse, actually. It was about a hair piece. Okay, 30 seconds. Okay, so my sister-in-law thought she was in labor, went to the hospital. They're like, no, you're not in labor. Not even pregnant. They sent, they sent her back. <laughs> they sent her back home. And then by the time they get back home, like 20 minutes later, she's like full on in labor. So they have to go back to the hospital. They're like, hey, guys, uh, she's really in labor. And there's complications. She had to get a C-section. And so, yeah, bad, one, bad move on the hospital's part. Yeah. See, that's, you know, that's a lawsuit. <laughs> that wouldn't be a good one, a bitch. Okay, there you go. Crisis. Good work, everybody. Thanks, Peggy, again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for learning with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more fun ideas, tools to give you a leg up in life. This is BYU Radio. BYU Radio.